the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former 2022 Lakers playoff travel agent. Guess I won't be needed for uh, that job this year. Lakers are out, but that's, uh, that's what happens. All right, welcome to SoCal Live. Give me a call today and join our conversation. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Five two eight two five five seven, and if you just want to send an email to join the conversation, as you're at work or in some place where you can't really call, you can send an email socallive at kkla.com. And we love it that uh, we can communicate, talk with each other. We're live in all of Southern California from KKLA three to five each and every weekday, bringing you to the conversation for some encouragement, some fun, some information uh, about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And uh, I've got my coffee. I'm ready for the afternoon. Is that a routine for you at work? Do you go out and get your coffee? Do you do you go get it? Do you have a Keurig? How do you do it? You must do something. Maybe you're a, a tea person, a water person. That's fine. Hopefully you are are ready to dig in. It's it's Monday, and it's Monday of Holy Week. Monday of Holy Week. I remember when uh, we used to have this week off. It was called Easter vacation, but they don't do that anymore. You couldn't have, uh, you, we didn't have spring break when I was a kid. I don't know when that changed. It changed at some point, I think, but uh, I don't know for sure when. It's it's difficult to make Easter anything but a religious holiday. You can throw in the bunnies and the chocolate eggs and those Cadbury eggs, the, the cream in them that I'm addicted to, which I've avoided almost entirely uh, this year. In fact, I bought myself a box of four of those the other day, and I didn't remember where I put it, and I found it. Uh, on uh, my wife's dresser this morning, and it was missing three of the four eggs in there. Uh, And I had zero. So, hmm, we'll have some conversation. But, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I like those too. Anyway, I'm going to have to find a hiding place, a stash somewhere. No, I won't do that. Anyway, it's Monday of Holy Week, and um, you can't change Christmas. It's uh, You can't change Christmas, even though it's clearly a religious holiday, but because it has the economy involved. If you get rid of Christmas, then the entire economy collapses. All the retail stores will close, and so you can't do that. You can throw in Santa Claus and the lights, but you're still going to have to have uh, baby Jesus and the Christmas lights and the Christmas songs that give the gospel and everything. Uh, Christmas, I think, is bigger than Easter in some ways as far as people coming to church all of a sudden. Um, I think that God has rigged it so that we can't get rid of Christmas and Easter. I think Christmas is rigged into our economy so you can't change it. And I think that Easter is rigged into our conversation because you cannot help but have a conversation globally, worldwide, about who is Jesus and what he did and whether or not he is who he said he was. Because if Jesus rose again from the dead, if Easter is for real, if that actually happened, then it has meaning for every single part of our life. And if it didn't actually happen, then it doesn't really matter what Jesus did. He's an interesting, you know, historical phenomenon that we keep talking about. I didn't read the article. He's on the cover of uh, National Geographic this week. I saw that in the supermarket. You know, often there's some new article every year about Jesus, either proving or disproving or raising new questions. 2,000 years, no one has been able to refute 
his resurrection. Something happened. And even if you just look at it from a a completely not religious standpoint, you have to agree that something happened. A bunch of, of fishermen changed the world. A bunch of people who had no power, no political power or political aspirations and no money changed the whole world because of something that they saw, because of something that they actually know for a fact was either true or false, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They either know that they stole the body and hid it, or they know that uh, Jesus rose from the grave, and most of them went to their death, proclaiming something that they knew for a fact was true or false. It's an amazing, amazing thing, Easter week. So I thought what we would do in our program today is go through every day what happened on each day during Holy Week, and it's pretty clear, you know, uh, what happens on some of those days. Some of those days, we're, we're not entirely sure. And here's a question. Here is something that actually has occurred in that week. You see a transformation in some people's thoughts, not necessarily for the better, although in the end, it ends pretty well. Um, but Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday, which maybe you celebrated yesterday in your church, which hopefully you went to some church and uh, they talked about Jesus and what he actually came to do. But people's ideas about Jesus changed, and they changed from Sunday to Monday. They had an expectation of Jesus that was amazing with the palm branches and the coats and the songs and the singing and the parade and all of that stuff on Sunday. But on Monday, that began to to fade. And by Thursday, many of those people were saying, crucify him. That is extraordinary when you think about it. And then many of those people later would be converted into being saved, actually. Uh, just maybe within just the end of the week, maybe it took a few weeks, maybe Pentecost, that happened. It's really an incredible, incredible story. Here's a question I have for you, and we'll talk about what happened on Monday, but if you want to call in and think about this, has your expectations or your impression of Jesus changed over the years or over a period of time? Or maybe there was a sermon you heard or a Bible story you read Maybe you studied the Bible and you had an idea about Jesus that was changed because of your scripture reading, because you went to church. I'd love to hear that story, 888-528-2557. Even if it's a struggle for you, maybe you have expectations of Jesus to do something that uh, he never really said he's going to do. I find that all the time with, with some of us who have struggled in our faith, some of the movement that's going on right now with people, they call it deconstructing. And uh, usually deconstructing is not really, you know, some people will say, well, it's getting rid of some of the fluff and tradition that doesn't matter and going back to the pure scripture and the actual story of Jesus. That's okay if you're going to do that. But most of the time when that word is being used, it's about getting away from the word of God and getting away from the historical Jesus. And you, you toss out some of the fluff and the the other unfortunate stuff that sometimes we've laid on the story from the church. But often what you find in the depth of that story is somebody is disappointed. They didn't get the career that they wanted and they thought Jesus had promised them or they've come down with some kind of illness or in in many cases, just a sin that they want to do. For a lot of people, I've noticed some of the, the more famous people who have made these declarations of leaving the faith, when you really drill down into why they've made the decision, the decision often is, um, I don't want to be married to my wife anymore because there is another person I want to marry and Jesus doesn't like that. So my answer is going to be, I don't like Jesus. Uh, that's the wrong way to go. That is misunderstanding who Jesus is and what the purpose is of our faith. But maybe you've had something else where you expected Jesus to do these things in your life. And then you found out, you know what? You found out that, hey, you know what? There is something else. 
that Jesus is better than I expected, that I thought I was always going to have to actually uh, prove myself to Jesus over and over again. Or maybe you thought to yourself, I didn't believe that Jesus actually died for me. I believe that he died for some people, but I didn't think that he died for me. One of my best friends in college, my roommate, uh, he wasn't a believer when we started living together. We had a lot of conversations about God and all of that. And he finally came to the conclusion that Jesus indeed rose again from the grave, um, but that he doesn't deserve the grace that Jesus showed him. So he rejected Christ for a while, just out of the standpoint of, I don't deserve this, which is exactly the point, actually. But he really struggled with the idea that grace is unmerited favor, that God would love him so much that he would give his only son. Uh, Maybe you've had a thought like that, and I'll get into what Jesus did on uh, Monday of Holy Week in a minute, and maybe talk about those expectations. But I thought maybe an opportunity for you to share your story or maybe ask a question. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-52-TALKS, LA Talks. 888-528-2557. Glenn from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Hi, Glenn. So what, what's your thought here about uh, Jesus? Do you have an expectation or an understanding that uh, you have, have changed or uh, come to the realization of? Absolutely. Um, Christ has not died for everybody in the world, only those people that believe him. And well, if it... And that's that's the idea that uh, that only the people who uh, you would confess him as Lord, right, are saved, right? I mean, the yeah. Bible says he died yeah. for the world, but only no, obviously right. you have you have to believe. Okay, right. The so more you I would study the Bible, the more, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> it is yeah. such. It is such. It's a lifetime study, but it what's is. amazing is that. What's amazing is that, you know, as Paul says in, uh, I think it's Romans one I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's God's power for salvation for those who believe. It's that simple. It's like insurance for eternity. We've got car insurance for our cars. We've got house insurance for our houses. We've got life insurance for our lives to pay off our families. But how many people think of the Word of God is being eternity insurance. And if you think of the consequences or the alternative, the blackness of darkness, we can't comprehend, we can't even measure blackness, because yeah. our, our measurements only go to light. And that's what is promised for those who don't believe. So as an insurance policy, I would think <laughs> commonsensically, which doesn't seem to be very common anymore, it seems to be rare, that you would think that, okay, well, uh, I'm going to look into this. I'm going to, I'm going to see what's all about. And once you open up that door, once, once you let him knock on the door and you open it up, he will come in, change your life. No doubt about it. He will change your life and things will happen in the Holy Spirit on an active basis. He does intervene and he does participate in our life to change your life. And, and I'm just so grateful that I understand that while I'm still here and can make some changes to yeah. the intemperate youth I was engaged <laughs> in before I became a believer. And right, I'm Glenn. perfect. Glenn, uh, thank you for, for all of that. I want to go on to some other calls, but I appreciate that in your testimony. 
And you're right. You know, I, I think that, you know, certainly there is some insurance in believing in Jesus, but Jesus wants us to go deeper with that. And you were talking about that with uh, your your life. Uh, there's something called uh, Pascal's Wager, and it was the idea that you have a lot to gain by believing in Jesus and a lot to lose if you don't. And it's uh, maybe a, a impersonal scientific approach, philosophical approach. Uh, Pascal was a 17th century French philosopher. You've probably heard of Pascal. Um, and he was a theologian, mathematician, and physicist. And you could do all that in the 17th century because you didn't have the internet and you could actually read stuff. Um, it posts, there's no distractions. What do you do? You study theology and math and physicists, uh, physics. Uh, his wager is basically that either God exists or he does not, and therefore it's a better gamble to believe in God. Um, that's one way to look at it. But, you know, God wants us to have a, a relationship with him. It's much deeper even than just the insurance, that Jesus sits on a throne of grace. And the scriptures say this, 1 John, 1, or 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And it's really important that we realize he died for the whole world. Not everybody's going to receive the gift. You have to receive Christ. It's, uh, that's the idea, that you receive the grace. But he died for the whole world. And I know there's different opinions about predestination and other stuff, and all of that is, is fine to get into that. But at the end of the day, you've got to take the Scriptures uh, for what they say, including positions on both sides of that. And sometimes we don't understand what all of it means in the context of time and space and how it works. But what we do know is this. For sure, you have an offer of salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, that if you believe in him, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And if you think you've lived a perfect life, um, the first thing you should do is ask your spouse if you're married, if you're perfect. That helps. Um, or ask your kids or ask a, you know, a friend or a roommate. You're not. You're not perfect. Um, but we have a perfect Savior, and we get credit for that. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for sin, which is death. And we get credit for his perfect life and the death that covers our sin, that justifies us, that pays the penalty of the debt that we owed, the debt that every culture, by the way, understands that it owes. You know, that? that's why there's gods in every culture. There's always, there's a sense that we have that, that human beings have that we have some debt to pay, that we owe God something. And uh, that's what Jesus does for us. That's why this is a great week. It helps us refocus on some things that are important. Ian from Santa Monica, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Ian. Are you there? Turn your radio down a little bit. Uh, radio off. Can you turn your radio off, Ian? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Am I talking to you? Yeah. Hi. Yeah, this is, this is the um, what, what radio program is this? That's the Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Hi, Ian. You're from Santa right, Monica. Right, uh, right, right. What I wanted to uh, say was that Jesus is always taking me onward and upward and beckoning me onward and upward. And he's answered my prayers all, you know, sometimes right away. And then sometimes it's taken a long time. And sometimes the ones where I want, like, like a wife, right, that sometimes takes a while. And by the time the wife came, my pride wouldn't accept her. So you got to watch out for that for when God does yeah. deliver your prayer. You yeah. have your heart ready to accept it. Yeah. 
Our idea, and hey, uh, thank you. You know what? Jesus doesn't disappoint, and even though sometimes we don't accept things, Jesus is always still there. Hebrew says he sits on a throne of grace, and uh, Ian, whatever has gone on with you and maybe some uh, things that were a part of your pride, all of us deal with that from time to time, know that Jesus is sitting on a throne of grace, that he is approachable. He's not sitting on a throne of don't come up here. He's not sitting on a throne of I don't want to talk to you. Uh, He's not sitting on a throne that says, uh, you are too small for me. He's sitting on a throne that says, I died so that you could come here. I died so that you could share with me the different things in your life. And he says, I want to be a part of it. And I bring you forgiveness and mercy and grace. And he asks you to follow him. So follow him. Uh, I hope you do that, Ian. Um, Danielle, do I have that right from Los Angeles? Danielle? Hello, Danielle. Welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you so much. I had just two thoughts, actually, about your question. And number one, first, I want to say you're doing a great job. So welcome aboard. We're glad to have you on air. Thank you. And the first two thoughts I had was when I was a kid, I loved when I read Luke 2, I think it's verse 49, and it's when Jesus' parents find him after they thought they were on their journey home with their son and found out that he wasn't. And he says, why do you seek me? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house about my father's business? And as a young kid, it was just so profound to me to think that Jesus was focused on listening, obeying, and being in tune to what his father wanted from him. Mm. And for me, as a 10-year-old kid, I thought, that's what I want. I want to always be so aware and in tune to my Father's voice that if I'm here on this earth for a reason, the reason is about His business. And so which kind of moves me to more recently, last summer, I just, I took some really deep time with 1 Corinthians 13 because I felt the Lord was calling me to memorize it. And as I was memorizing Paul's words, I thought, wait a minute, love, look at what the world is is portraying now. Everyone uses the word love. Love more, love is love, love, love without limits. But if we really understand who is love and what is love, Jesus is the only perfect love. And if we're truly going to love without being rude or envious or unkind or self-seeking or holding on to wrongs or boastful, it's going to be through the power of Jesus Christ. And there was a time I, the Lord has given me the gift of speaking in tongues, but I said, Lord, I don't want this gift, please, if you're not going to give me an interpretation. And the very first interpretation I heard was, The darkness shall not smother the light, but we must scorch those that we come in contact with, leaving an imprint of Jesus Christ's love on their hearts forever. Can you imagine if Christians really, if we walked in that type of faithfulness of being about our Father's business with a love that can only be truly emanated and released, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus' love, and not what we think love is, but who He is and what He wants for the world in terms of peace and freedom and healing and wholeness 
by mm. his blood. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you for your call, uh, Danielle, and for, for listening. You know, uh, the uh, C.S. Lewis once said, uh, we are far too easily pleased when he was talking about um, there is so much more that we actually can do with God. And we have so much power power when we love the way we're called to love. First Corinthians 13 uh, you know, it's a famous love passage that you hear at weddings a lot. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. There's a whole lot more before and after that about love. It's not really a wedding passage, actually. It's great at a wedding. It, you know, it applies. It makes some sense. But actually, it's for how we treat each other and how we are to treat each other inside the church in particular is the actual context. You know, you could read it at a church meeting, and that's what it's for, because that's not always where you find the most expressions of love. And uh, But it is how we relate to other people, and if we really love, if we truly love, we make an impact in this world. That's where, that's where the church always makes its impact, when we love the people that God has placed in our relational world, when each one of us realizes that we have a particular role. That's a good, good call there. Um, let's see here. Uh, I got a bunch of calls, but I'm going to go to a break. If you hold on just through the break here in just a minute, you're listening to Southern California Live, and we are beginning Holy Week and talking about expectations that we have had of Jesus. When Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, he had expectations of doing some great things, but those expectations that many people had were dashed within uh, one day uh, for many people, and the same people were chanting crucify him just a few days later. But a lot of those same people later after Sunday— will be saved. And uh, it's a great story. And I'm wondering this is where is the time in your life where you have grown in your faith when you had expectations of Jesus that maybe were wrong and they were changed because of your understanding of scripture? Or maybe you uh, just have a story to tell uh, about what Jesus has done uh, in your life as we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ this week. This is your Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us for your calls. The number is 888-528-2557. Welcome back, everybody. SoCal Live. Good to be with you today on this Holy Week Monday and we're talking about this Monday in Holy Week, and, you know, there's a lot of different days in Holy Week. Uh, do you call it Holy Week in your tradition? I guess every week is Holy Week after the resurrection. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every day is Resurrection Day, really, because we're living in that time. Uh, scholars don't always agree on what Jesus might have done on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of Holy Week, but there is some idea, especially after scholars discovered the iPad of Turin, which they think might show an image of Jesus' actually schedule, actual scheduling calendar. Uh, but it's debatable, uh, especially what Jesus did on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But one thing that happened for sure is that people's minds changed about Jesus, that people from Sunday to Monday, they started thinking maybe Jesus isn't who we thought he would be. Maybe this Jesus that we praised and we put the palm branches down and we waved them and we sang the song and we had the parade and the coats and all this, and we thought he was going to do some amazing things. And then the first thing he does probably on Sunday or Monday is he uh, kicks out the money changers from the temple and says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. And uh, it disrupted a lot of things. There must have been some politically astute people watching that going, oh man, they're going to kill him. There was probably a guy with a radio show who says, I'll bet that Jesus is crucified by Friday. 
Somebody with a blog. Somebody must have caught on to that because they saw this amazing change. But the thing is, is that after Jesus' resurrection, some of those same people, maybe most of those same people, they changed their mind within the next few weeks. They realized the real true reason why Jesus came, what the expectation ought to have been on that Palm Sunday. It's a great, great story. Do you realize that, friends? We as believers, we have a great story. That's one of the reasons that you can't get Easter out of off the calendar and off the magazines. It's We have a great story. It's the story of salvation. I think a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus, I think deep down they wish the story was true, though. I think that they think, gosh, I hope that that's true. Wouldn't it be great if salvation is a free gift, that if I'm forgiven of my sins, that I don't have to be perfect, that my spiritual angst that I carry around is um, relieved by Christ on the cross? 888-528-2557, we're asking this question today, have you um, have your ideas about Jesus changed in time? Or maybe do people have unrealistic expectations of Jesus? And how do we get past those uh, expectations of Jesus that he doesn't really promise, things that you think maybe Jesus is going to do that he doesn't actually say he's going to do that might be hindering your faith? 888-528-2557 is the number. Mark from Tahunga, thanks for holding. Welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I think probably the, the biggest thing that's changed for me is, you know, from a, from a young age, I knew that, um, Jesus needed to be my savior and that I needed to believe in him for salvation to know that I was going to heaven. But there came a time when that thinking that 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 thinking needed to mature beyond Jesus just being my savior. Now Jesus needs to be my Lord. Mm. Um, and I think the the more I've read through Scripture, you know, looking at looking at Genesis and looking at how. Um, in the garden, um, the Lord walked with, with with Adam in the garden. That's what He wants to do with me every single day. He wants right. to walk with me. And the question is, that I have to ask myself is, am I walking in the direction that He wants to go? Um, or am I walking in the direction that I want to go? Who's, who's, who's sitting on the throne? Is it me or is it, or is it Christ? Yeah. I think that's a good uh, a good point. Are you following Jesus, or are you hoping that he's following you? I think that's part of uh, what I'm getting at here with the, the question of what are our expectations of Jesus. Um, yes, he's our Savior, and that is number one. We need to know that. But we also need to know, as you're saying, Mark, that, that Jesus wants to be with us, that God wants to be with us. That's always been God's plan, to walk with us. He walked with us in the garden. And uh, he promised that he would be with us. He would send a savior. He was in the temple, the tabernacle, and uh, he he left. He came back. Uh, he lived with us. He tabernacled with us. Jesus did. And then uh, he ascended. The Holy Spirit is now with us. And the plan is to be with us for eternity. Uh, as And we're adopted kids. We're not just, uh, you know, peons who he has saved, but he's going to ignore. We are children. We are people who inherit everything that he has. This is God's plan for us, to love you and I 
as a perfect father. Uh, good call, Mark. Thank you. And I want to go on to uh, Jackie. You've been holding on for a long time. Jackie from Compton, thanks for calling SoCal Live. Well, thank you for accepting my call. Um, I wanted to share that I've been a believer for a very, very long time. I believed in Christ. I accepted him. But I realized that I wasn't really walking in the Lord, sort of what the previous caller was saying. And I just really started digging into my Bible, learning verses. And I'm not sure where this verse is by now. There's in the Bible, it says, seek the Lord. And it's in there a couple of times in different ways, the Old Testament Mm. and the New. Seek him, ask for him. And I was really just, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to find you. And then um, Luke ten twenty seven means a lot to me. You know, how you should love the Lord with all your heart, everything inside of you, your soul, your strength, everything. And I, 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 I think about that when I go through hard times. Believe me, I've been through a, really, a lot of hard times in my life. Mm. But I am so excited this year about Easter because I, I'm, I went back to church and I'm just knowing that God has a plan for me. Yeah. Even if it's, it doesn't matter what it is. It might be, I used to think he had to have a grand plan for me, but it, it might just be what I, just bringing my grandchildren, because their parents are not Christians, bringing them into the Lord, bringing my family back to God, just, it just whatever it is. But I'm, I'm telling the Lord, yesterday I went to church, I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, it doesn't matter to me. And I'm so, it's amazing how I feel. I'm just, I wanted to bring that up too. It's it's this, in my heart, it's this joy. It's this yeah. joy. I'm still having problems, believe me. I'm still having problems. I'm still living my same problems. But this joy, it, it, it's just so amazing. I just, I wanted to share that today. It's this joy that you feel. It, you know, it I, doesn't matter your circumstances of your life. And I wanted right. to get that out there. Thank you for letting me share. Thank Jackie, you. Jackie, that's a great testimony. Thank you for calling. You know, when she said, uh, you know, I wondered if God had a grand plan uh, for me, but, you know, I'll just do whatever he wants me to do. That is the answer of faith right there. That is such a great thing. That's where, that's why you have this joy, because even though you are still struggling with things, and even though you have stuff, joy is independent of our circumstances, one writer said. Joy is something that when we realize that when we seek God, we find him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Um, Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. And then that chapter, he's talking about wisdom as being personified here with those who seek wisdom. Um, and then later, that it's clear that this wisdom is Christ. First Chronicles sixteen. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continuously. You know, we we have all these passages, Matthew 6, Jesus tells us himself, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. It's not a mystery if we read our Bibles. And Jackie's 100% right. Get into the word of God, and it will it will shape your understanding of God, his plan for your life, who he is, how much he loves you. And, you know, if the expectation is everything in life's going to be hunky-dory all of a sudden, that's not a promise in there. You know, the Bible never says that that... Uh, God will never give you something you can't handle. Did you know that? We say that sometimes in the church. Oh, well, God will never give you something you can't handle. No, it's not true. You can't handle life from the outset. You need a Savior. You can't handle your own salvation. 
but he does promise to be with you, and he does promise he can get you through whatever these things are when you seek him. Good call, good call. Aaron from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, so the expectation that I kind of had an insight on um, just yesterday, I know that the Jews and the disciples had this expectation of the Messiah coming to be the conqueror, um, coming to, to deliver justice, and kind of this expectation of a lion and he came as a lamb, and right. the posture that Christ took to overcome and to defeat um, evil and the enemy was the opposite of what we expect from that. And I have a, a colleague who I work with um, who has got some drug problems and bipolar disorder and has been incredibly abusive. To myself and other other people that work for him, and I want to go at him like a lion, um, but I, I had another insight from a sermon that um, we're not fighting one another, we're fighting one another's demons. Hmm. So my, my posture towards him changed from wanting to bite his head off to, yeah. <laughs> you know, let me battle this demon and love my friend like Christ does yes. for us. Yes, and uh, Aaron, that's a great point. Ephesians six twelve for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, uh, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have to remember that. And Jesus is such a great example. Uh, later on in, in Holy Week, when he's getting beaten, when the soldiers are flogging him, and he's getting beat with the whips and all that, imagine if it says the soldiers... Uh, beat him and they flogged him and they spit at him. Imagine if the text said, and spitting back, Jesus said, I know where you're going for eternity and you're going to hell, pal. Imagine if that were in the text, we would have a different view of Jesus going to the cross. We would we would look at that and go, I don't know, right? There's so much wisdom in understanding the spiritual aspect of what's happening. So that Jesus, even on the cross later, he says, uh, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They didn't know what they were doing. What they were doing was committing the worst injustice of all time, killing the most innocent person of all time who had, was acquitted six times in the courts, and they were killing him anyway. Huge injustice. That's what they thought they were doing, but instead what they were doing was being a part of the plan to bring salvation to the world. It's amazing, this great story that we have of Jesus Christ. What have your How have your expectations changed about Jesus as you've gotten to know him more. 888-528-2557. This is SoCal Live. We will return with your calls in just a moment. Stay tuned. It is Holy Monday on Southern California Live. It's Holy Week Monday, wherever you are, and we're talking about that today. What did Jesus do on that day? And really what we're getting at is how much people's opinion and expectations of Jesus changed from Sunday to Monday. And we've asked the question of, our, of you, um, how has God changed over time? How is your under, not how has God changed over time, but how have you understood Jesus better over time? How has he changed your life? How is it 
How has your expectations of Jesus changed for the better? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Rashid from Kudahi. Welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for holding so long. A lot of calls today, Rashid. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you for uh, answering my call. Uh, what has changed for me? I, I like that verse where it says, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the reason why I like that verse because... I learned that men men were searching for direction, we're searching for uh, a way to to the Father, and we're searching for a way to uh, learn about how to get to the Father. But the world teaches us that we have to go many ways to to get to the Father, but there's only one way, and we have to hear from Jesus because He is He is the truth, the way, and the life, and that's what He taught the disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we don't look at that, and that's what I've been searching for for a very long time, uh, I learned that the direction that I'm in now is the right direction. Okay. Uh, I lost you there, uh, Rashid, but uh, thank you for your call. And you know what? Um, that is such a great point. Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and it continues, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. And this is a, this is something that I think people have a hard time with the idea that there is only one way to heaven. But here's the thing. This is the distinction of Christianity from every other philosophy and faith in the world. The distinction is that you get saved by believing that God died for you, that God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life and died for you. You get saved by faith, not by works. Every other faith and philosophy that there is, whether it's a personal God or you're believing in the, the universe rewards you somehow, whatever it is, the idea is that if you're a good enough person, however good is defined, if you win enough points, if you do enough religious rituals, if you complete all of this and all of that, then hopefully God will shine on you or the mercy of the universe will be bestowed upon you and you will get whatever the benefit is, hopefully. But you don't really know if you got everything done right or maybe there's something you weren't told. With Christianity, it's different. With Christianity, God takes care of it for you. He just asks you to trust him. That's what he does. And if you trust the Lord, if you trust him for your salvation, that Jesus provides it with his death on the cross, then you are saved. Then you have everlasting life. And it's a great equalizer. Everybody approaches God the same way. Whatever your language is, whatever your wealth is, whatever your education is, whatever your ethnic background is, wherever you come from, everybody comes to Christ the same way by faith. There is nobody who is good, ultimately. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And it is a wonderful thing that the Lord has done. This was not understood on the first Monday. We started off uh, this hour talking about what maybe Jesus did on, on Monday. You know, an interesting thing about, you probably had some reference to Palm Sunday. Does your church do Palm Sunday? I, I talked about it a little bit, and then I, can, I weaved it into the sermon series, I mean, anyway, uh, as I do sometimes. But, you know, 
when Jesus was coming in on Palm Sunday and there is the parade, it was a planned parade. You know, Jesus didn't just show up and people recognize him and start tearing off palm branches. They heard he was coming. They had heard about Lazarus and they had heard about the miracles. Many had seen him. Many had come before him. And they're coming into town for the Passover anyway. And like, hey, Jesus is coming. And they organized this parade. That's why they had the palm branches ready and they had the songs and they were ready to go. And they did this it wasn't an unusual thing. It's the reason that your Bible often will refer to it as, if you have little titles, you know, sometimes they put that in there as a triumphal entry. Uh, It's because the Caesars and the Roman conquerors, even the Greek conquerors before that would have a a triumphal entry. It was a, a ceremony that society understood. Alexander the Great would ride into a town that he conquered on his great white horse, Bucephalus. It was a trivia answer for you. What was Alexander's horse name? Bucephalus. It's a great name for a horse. Almost as good as Shadowfax, uh, but Bucephalus was for real. And he would be on this great white stallion coming in and just magnificent and power and glory. And he's coming there to squash you as a people, right? So people are singing songs and cutting the branches and doing all, whatever they did for him. The Caesars would do this. Other championing generals would either come into the town that they just conquered or they would do a similar type of parade back in Rome just to celebrate whatever. But then they did something interesting is that they would come into town and what they would do is they would go to that town's place of religion and they would essentially declare themselves now or declare the state or the Caesar as Lord. And they would go to that place of religion and say, Caesar is Lord. It was called the imperial cult. The Romans would do that. Or they would go in there and say, I am, I am your God. I am now your ruler and I am your God. And this religion is subservient to me. And they would go in there and make that claim. And that was a, a regular routine. Jesus in Luke 19, when he's coming into town, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city and this parade is going on, right? People are singing Hosanna and they got the palm branches and all of this. Uh, He said, even if you had only, he wept, it says, he wept over the city and said, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but it is now hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And he wept over it. All these people are singing praises and they are glorifying him in what's called a triumphal entry, but they they were looking at the wrong triumph. They thought Jesus was there to restore national sovereignty and they missed the entire point of having a Messiah. That's what they did. And Jesus understood this. Incidentally, if you study the siege on Rome and where all of that went, what ultimately happened is the Romans built an embankment all the way around the city and starved them out and hemmed them in on every side exactly like Jesus says. In fact, the story says that they ultimately burned the hot, the heat was so hot in the temple that they burned it, that it melted the gold and the gold was flowing through that part of the temple in between the bricks and the stones. And so they pried up all of the stones to get all the gold out from underneath it. They literally did not leave one stone on another. It's powerful. So Jesus comes in and where does he go? Triumphal entry. What does he do? He goes into the temple. And he cleans out the money changers and he says, this is a place of prayer. You've made it into a den of robbers, but this place is mine. And it is supposed to be a place of prayer. And it is historically speaking so significant that Jesus comes to that temple and does what these other leaders would do essentially. And he declares himself the one who is to be worshiped. 
he declares himself the one who is God. That was not expected by people. He probably did that on Monday. Some would say he did it on Sunday night. Um, but Sunday night, you know, they probably had a little party or something uh, as he came into town. And all those people with the palm branches and stuff, they, they got it wrong. The palm branch is the right symbol. Uh, in the book of Revelation, you actually see the palm branches come back. Did you know that? I think it's a great scene, actually. Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. You know what I like to think about with that? I like to think about these guys who were waving the palm branch on good on Palm Sunday. They were expecting Jesus to free them politically, to free them from the bondage of Rome, whatever other expectation they had. It, they very quickly had those expectations dashed as it was clear that Jesus was not there to do that this time. He does do that later. When he comes back, he's going to do that. And here in the book of Revelation, though, we have people holding these palm branches. And I thought, you know what? Some of the people who were waving those palm branches, who then set them down, who then said, I am uh, opposed now to this Jesus because he's not fulfilling my expectations and I want him crucified. Those same people, a lot of those people got saved later. And I can, I don't know if you have what kind of memory you might have in heaven of things, but it seems to me quite profound that this time when they're holding the palm branches, they got it right, that it was redeemed, that they understood exactly who Jesus was and what he did. Uh, That is the triumph, by the way. It is an amazing thing. What I think Jesus did on Monday is I think he went into the temple and he proclaimed himself to be God. He proclaimed himself to be the one to be worshiped. He told us what it's for. Let me ask you this question before we leave for this hour. We'll be back in a few minutes. What is the temple today? It's you and me. We're the temple. Maybe a way to approach Holy Week and approach things today is ask yourself, God, in my heart, in the temple of my my body, that's your temple, where are my expectations not correct? How would you search my heart, Lord? Would you Would you let me know how I can have better expectations, how I can love my enemy, how I can realize that this is a spiritual battle, that my personal needs and stuff, they're important, they're part of life, and I want you, Lord, to be involved in my finances and in this world and all the crazy stuff going on. But God, spiritually, would you help me understand my role that way and make me a follower of you in a closer and deeper way? I think that's a great way to take Holy Monday, to take a look at this day and go, this is what it's for, getting right expectations before God. All right, friends, good hour. Thank you for all of your calls. We will be back for hour two of SoCal Live in just a moment. If you ever want the podcast, you can get it at kkla.com. Just look under the program guide for SoCal Live's page, and the podcast of this hour will be up there. Uh, After a little while, you can always get that. And there's other things on the website that you can take a look at and enjoy and participate with other believers just like you right around town. Some great events coming up. Uh, maybe even some things for your pastor and others. Check it out, kkla.com. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back for hour two in just a moment. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.